Good morning. We are so glad that you could be a part of our worship this morning here at Lake Point Church. And uh, today we're, we're um, kicking, things, kicking things off a little bit differently uh, before we get into the message this morning. Um, I have invited uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Pastor Ken Neither. And uh, Pastor Ken Neither is a pastor, uh, a church planter actually, in uh, Southfield. And uh, pastor over. Uh, uh, pastor a church called Crossover Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ken, we're, we're yeah. glad that you could be here with us. Thank you for being here. Um, can you tell us real quick about you know, your family, a little bit about yourself here, get our church to, get to know you yeah. real quick for a few minutes. Yeah. Pastor Scott, thanks for the invitation at Lake Point Church. I'm so excited to have this uh, conversation. My name's Ken Neither, again, a church planner, Crossover Church in Southfield, getting close to four years, wow. but most importantly, been married. Well, it's going to be nine years. My wife had to remind me, uh, June 12th, that's our anniversary. <laughs> and I have a seven-year-old daughter named Kennedy and a five-year-old son named Lincoln. And besides being a church planner, I'm now a homeschool teacher. And I thought church planning was rough, but homeschool is a lot rougher. Two more weeks left, but I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, and, and, and Ken and I, we served together yeah. uh, here in Michigan. We worked together uh, helping church planters, uh, assessing church planters. Mm-hmm. Um, you're involved in training and developing our yes. church planters. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we're part of a team. And uh, I tell you, Ken, it, it's been one of my greatest honors to just to be able to work alongside of you and, and everything that's been going on. And, uh, it, and, and of course, uh, we brought you here today because in light of uh, a recent event that's been happening here in our country that's really shaken the core of our country. Yeah. And, it's, um, and uh, my heart's been, just been broken mm-hmm. over what we have seen um, in the lives of George Floyd a couple of weeks ago and about a month ago, um, Ahmed Aubrey. Yeah. And um, we've just been, uh, it's it, it been difficult, you know, and I know that this, have, this is not the first time that's happened. Yeah. And, uh, but, and I know that as an African-American pastor, you know, you know it more than that. You know, we see, we see the highlight reels, yeah. unfortunately, but you know, this is a, you know, this is part of your life. I mean, this is not just happening a couple of times a year. Racism mm-hmm. is uh, deep. Yeah. It's embedded deep in our country. And uh, I, I thought for just a minute, you know, our church were predominantly white um, church, and, um, and I, want us to, I want our church my heart is for our church to lead the way and yeah. and understanding what racism is and 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 doing something about it. You know, mm-hmm. the Bible says in Matthew chapter five, verse nine, yeah. what Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Mm-hmm. And you say peacekeepers. Peacemakers. Peacekeepers. You know, you're that passive. Yeah. Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Where that. We want to do something about it. Yeah. I want to shoot the blast. And so, mm-hmm. if you can take a few minutes to talk about what racism is, and maybe we can define that a little bit and mm-hmm. help us understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want us to assume that we know what it is. Yeah. And, and maybe that can help someone that's watching. 
And then also, what, what can we do to be peacemakers? What can yeah. we do to, 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 to be a part of the solution mm -hmm. and, and helping you know, our world, our community, yeah. you know, fight racism? Yeah, number one, just Pastor Scott, I appreciate your heart having a conversation like this. Um, because number one, that, that's the first step. Might not be the end step, but this is the first step. When we deal with racism, uh, for me, it's an ideology of superiority. It's believing a race, and, and actually that's just a, a social concept anyway, that we all were created from Adam. Mm -hmm. We are typically, one, we are one race, different, different ethnicities, but it's, it's prejudice. It's actually thinking one group is superior to another group. And that's just not an individuals that can be in certain systems that are actually played out as well. Um, but I think some practical things that are important is number one, and this is what we're doing right now, we're, we're listening to one another. Hmm. And I look at Job. Job, uh, he's grieving because he, he lost yeah. something that was dear to him. And for seven days, his friends sat there listening to Job, just listened. They didn't try to give comment. They didn't try to give a solution. They just listened because Job was grieving. When his friends started to speak up, that's when Job got offended because he wasn't done grieving. Hmm. So I think we just need to listen to one another, um, listen to the experiences that we have. Um, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from the message translation. It says to enter into their world and to understand their experiences. So I think as we're having this conversation, even in terms of George Floyd, because here's the reality. I don't know George Floyd personally. Um, you don't know George Floyd personally, but you know me. Yeah. And so when that video was shown to empathize would be, you know, that could be Ken. That could be, um, you know, Ken with his kids could be watching that video. His wife could be watching that video, which yeah. leads to number two. That's lament. Because now, since you know me and we're at the table next to each other and we've, we've been out to eat and we've done ministry together, it makes it more real in the context of someone you actually spoken to. Hmm. So when we're looking at that video and that officer putting his, you know, just putting his knee on his neck, while that could be kin or any friend that you may have of a different ethnicity. So that's lamenting. That's grieving, you know, with one another. And then number three is learning. And so one of the things that I'll, I'll challenge our church and even Lake Point Church is learning from one another. Look at your text messages. Look at your last 10 text messages. Is it diverse? Do you have a diversity of friends? So I would just ask that we would lean in during this season and say, let me be a bridge builder. Who on my job? Who is my neighbor? You know, we talked about this before. It says, love your neighbor. It doesn't say love your neighbor of the same political party. Right. Love your neighbor of the same social status. Love right. your neighbor with the same race. No, it's just love your neighbor. We're not going to be known for our theology. We're going to be known for our love. And so I think the onus is on us as churches, as individuals, whether it's black or white, for us to come together. Who is someone different? And who is someone that might have different preferences? But at the end of the day, we're created in the image of God. And that's important. And God sees my color. He sees your color. And we don't truly understand who God is if we don't celebrate um, the mosaic that God has created in the image of God. So yeah, I think that's great. Uh, yeah. You know, um, we should be able to see our colors, you know, yeah. that we're uniquely made. I know the statement that we make sometimes uh, that hey, we're not colorblind. Now, yeah. I think out of 
you know, we have good intentions yeah. when we say it, but you know, I think there's a, you want to speak into that for a minute? I mean, when we, what, yeah. what, is, what can we say to that? I mean. Yeah. I want you to say, I see you. Yeah. And I understand the heart behind it, but when we say, I don't see color, then you're not seeing me. Right. You're not seeing my experience. God created me with this color. He was intentional about it. Yeah. He says, I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. He says, you're beautifully and wonderfully made. And again, that's when we talk about the Mago Day. All of us are created in the image of God, which means we deserve honor and dignity. And then when Jesus comes back at the throne of God, we're going to have different ethnicities, tribes and tongues celebrating the goodness of God. Yeah. Holy, 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 all of us together. So I think it's important to understand the body of Christ. There's diversity and it needs to be celebrated. And so I see you, Scott. I see you got glasses on right now. I see your smile. You, you I got my hearing aids on, I think. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I hear you. It's the same way yeah. with you, yeah. right? I hear you. I understand you. And so I, our common ground is in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the common ground that you and I have. Mm. But also, we should celebrate the differences that we have because we're celebrating uh, how God has made us. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. I love that. So I, I think that's so important. That, to, you know, to lament. Yeah. You know, and, and then to, to mm -hmm. learn. To learn, yeah. And, and to listen. What the fourth L? To leverage. Leverage. To leverage. And so this is going from conversation now to putting a plan together for us yeah. to leverage our power and authority for the benefit of another person. Yeah. So I challenged our church. Let's leverage the influence that we have. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be partnering uh, with another church. We're predominantly an African-American church. There's another church predominantly Caucasian. And so we want to learn from each other's experiences. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be going through a curriculum called Be the Bridge, which is about racial reconciliation. And so we're going to spend a few months together leveraging our power, leveraging our resources in order for us to move forward in this conversation. So, you know, I, I would say to any church, uh, there's, a, there's a power that we have. Are we using it for maybe the voiceless to be able to speak into it as well? And so that's leveraging our experience and powers in order for us to build the bridge for racial uh, togetherness. Man, I, I, I think that's great. <clears throat> and, uh, and, you know, some of the things I've been thinking about here at Lake Point for mm -hmm. us is to know what can we do? And, you know, we do some stuff, yeah. you know, um, but yeah. I don't want to say... Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to be satisfied with a few things. I, I want yeah. us to embrace it. And not just embrace it because the church is doing it, but embrace it. I want to challenge the heart of our people yeah. to, um, to make it a part of your lifestyle. You know, to, like you said, to reach out. Have a, you know, to reach out to those that don't look like you. Yeah. You know, whether, the, whether it's African-Americans or, or, or of another skin color, but to embrace our differences you know, but I think we have a lot more in common than we realize, and, and, yeah. and find those common grounds. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and I think that's great to leverage that. We we all need to find ways to leverage that personally. Yeah. I, I think one thing you were talking about is, you know, even though our, a lot of our neighborhoods are, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, uh, what's the word, you know, pockets, you know, yeah. of, of African Americans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. And um, so we got these, but the crossroads oftentimes are in our workplace yeah. and in our churches. Yes. And, and, and so it's in those intersection of life that we need to 
really seek to find those uh, relationships and really mm -hmm. find uh, and the leverage um, the things that you talk about to listen, yeah. to learn. Um, one more thing we were talking about earlier today, uh, me and you, mm -hmm. um, we were talking about change. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk right now about you know, change got to happen in, in our uh, in Washington, D.C., and in our state capitals. Yeah. And, and I believe that there is a place for that. But I think you and I come to an agreement that the real change, mm -hmm. it needs to start in our churches. Yes. And then you start in the individuals of our hearts. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I, I think um, if, if, if all of us can do a self-examination of our own prejudice nature. Yeah. Because of our sin, it's a sin. You know, racism, it's a sin issue. It's not a skin, skin it's issue. issue. It's a, Issue. Yeah. And, and, and it's something we need to all examine in our own hearts. God, am I, am I being prejudiced? Am I prejudging? Yeah. And that looks like in so many different ways. And the Bible says that it's against, you know, that God is against, you know, when we have, when we show favoritism. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, so we should have do a self examination. And then, and, and if, I, if I'm hearing this, it, it's not that we need to go out and make big monumental changes in our lives, but maybe if yeah. all of us are doing something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know your heart. Uh, you talked about it earlier that as a pastor, uh, not only do you want to speak about people being on mission, you know, with the church, but I want you to be on mission in your house. Yeah. So it's the same thing. So the incremental changes that we can make is in our house. Yeah. W what are we what are we sharing with our kids? What are we displaying, you know, in our home? So I, I think that's important. And, and, you know, the Bible talks about in Jeremiah, it says to do justice. That, that's a verb. That's an action. So what I, what I would say is, you know, let, let me share this story. Another uh, pastor told me this story. He said he was watching the video of George Floyd and the officer who was on the knee of George Floyd. And he said when he was watching this video, this is what we talk about sometimes of disengaging from the mess that we're in right now. He's watching the video and he said, God, you know, I'm not like that officer. Hmm. Now, this is a white pastor telling me this. He said, I'm, I'm not like that officer. And he said the Holy Spirit told him, no, you're not like that officer. You're like the other officers that are silent that didn't do anything. Hmm. That's powerful. Hmm. I think everybody's responsibility is not just to say I'm not racist, but it's to do justice, be active and speak out against injustice and racism. And that can start in our homes. And I think that's important. Again, when we talk about the importance of having this conversation and even in my own home, you know, as a black man, am I living a segregated life to the point where I don't have people from different ethnicities coming into my home? So what is that really portraying? to my children, mm. whether I say it or not. And so I think it's, you know, where we play at, where we go to church. Those are the spaces that we need to move from just having conversations to actually communing together. And so you're absolutely right. It starts in our heart. It starts in our churches. 
And but also we have a responsibility just as Christians. And, and sometimes we miss this as, as Christians just to love one another. And I think the best thing that we can do is sometimes love people um, just with our differences. And we don't have to agree on everything, but we should come to the table and we right. should learn because yeah. I can learn from you. You can learn from me. That's that, that powerful. Well, you know, I, thank you for what you're doing and mm -hmm. um, for what you're doing in our city, for in our state, mm -hmm. and uh, helping church planters and helping people, reaching people's lives in your church. Yeah, uh, you've been, you've been a, you know, just a, a good friend in mm -hmm. the last few years. I've got to know you, yeah. and um, um, I'm always I'm always following what your church is doing, mm -hmm. and. Um, and uh, it's portable, you know. Yeah. He was telling me, man, he's ready to find a, uh, a permanent <laughs> space earlier today. He's been doing it for four years, portable trip for four years. I was like, well, you know. Yeah, I shut my mouth when you said, <laughs> when you said almost a decade. So, yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate you. I really am yeah. thankful for your leadership in our state and in our mm -hmm. city. Yeah. Um, and I, I believe with you, the best is yet to come. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. Yeah. I really believe that for your family, mm -hmm. for your church for your leadership and influence mm -hmm. here in our state. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray. You know, I'm going to ask you to close it in our time of prayer here. Yeah. I want you to pray for, number one, you know, pray for, you know, the lament, the, 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 you know, as we grieve, especially with the family yeah. of, of those who have lost um, and, uh, uh, an African-American son, yeah. African-American dad, mm -hmm. uh, you know, George Floyd, uh, yeah. you know, Aubrey, uh, and, and, and countless others. Mm -hmm. yeah. But also grieve that the racism, even though it might not always result in death, it's still happening. Yeah. And, and I pray that we would find ways to build a bridge. Yes. Pray for that. Pray for our cities. You yeah. know, right now there's so much turmoil. I know yeah. uh, you said the lament, and, and I know your heart. Lament doesn't mean to loot, you know, <laughs> yeah. and there's so many, and so we're, we're seeing a total destruction in different ways that's not been the heart of, of, the, of the original lamenting protest that's yeah. happening, but pray for our city, mm -hmm. pray for, uh, you know, we, we feel like we're so far away from unity, yeah. you know, in our cities, in our states. Um, uh, to pray for, pray for that. Pray for healing, mm -hmm. healing in our city. Uh, I also want to pray, you know, for our police officers. Yeah, I know we have so many good men Absolutely. and women out there mm -hmm. that want to serve and protect. Yeah, and uh, I, I, we want to pray for those too. You know, there, there's just there's just so many issues here, but pray for the church to leverage. Mm -hmm. Pray for the heart thing, yeah. so that we can leverage. Absolutely. You know, the love of God. People will know that we're his disciples mm -hmm. by the way that we love each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people, people need to see that. Mm -hmm. The world needs to see that, and yeah. it needs to see it in our churches. Absolutely. It needs to see it in us. Mm -hmm. It needs to see it in me. Yeah, and, and me. So, yeah, if you can, that'd be, we'd love for you to pray for us. Yeah, I'd be honored. Well, I appreciate this opportunity. And, and let's continue to have these dialogues as churches and just as individuals. Lake Point, would you mind praying with us as we go before the Lord? Because if anything is going to change, it's going to happen through prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you at this moment not having all the answers. We have more questions. 
But Lord, we know that if anything's going to get better, it's going to happen because of you. So, Lord, right now, as we talked about, let us listen. Let us be slow to speak and quick to listen, to listen to each other's hearts, despite our preferences, despite our differences, that we come to you right now. And we're listening to the voice of God. Lord, we know this has been a challenging year with the pandemic and now what's going on. And but Lord, we know that you will get good out of this. Lord, we're asking even now that we lament as a church family. We lament as if George Floyd was my son. No matter the color right now, Lord, we're going to lament as if that was my son, that was someone that I know, and I'm not going to run away from it. I'm going to enter into it right now for a few moments and just think about it. I was reminded as George Floyd was screaming out for his mother as a grown man. So, Lord, we're going to lament in this moment. But, Lord, uh, you want us to learn and we want to learn from your ways that that Jesus came for everyone. We also came for the oppressed to set captives free for the marginalized, Lord. And so right now, we're just we're, we want to learn from one another. Teach us how to have a humble heart in this season. Teach us not just to be quick to have answers, but to actually lean in and to hear from one another and learn from different experiences. And lastly, that we would leverage that we would leverage the authority, the power that we, we might be have in order for someone who's voiceless to be able to speak, to be able to have influence as well. Lord, I'm praying for our churches as a whole right now, that as the world is looking for answers as a church, we know that we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ, who died for us all. He wasn't prejudiced. He didn't discriminate. (laughs) He said anyone who comes to him will be accepted. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. So, Lord, right now, we just need you to come. We we want you to come. And so, Lord, I'm praying for our churches right now that we would continue to have these conversations, but it would move from a conversation to actually an action step that we can take. I'm I'm praying for everyone right now listening, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak to them right now about what is one thing that I can do? Who do I play with? Who do I talk with? Who's in my sphere of influence? Who can I have a conversation with? Who can I take a next step with who's different than me just to hear their heart because we're all created in the image of God? Lord, we know this nation right now is an unrest. And I was thinking about it uh, the last couple days that we're able to come to this table right now because we're unified in Christ. But there's a world out here who doesn't know Jesus. (laughs) And without that unity of Christ, how far are they from racial reconciliation. Help us be the bridge. Help us come together. Lord, I pray right now that the world will be able to say that the church showed love in this season. Let us be bold. Let us speak out against injustice. Lord, I pray that when we come back to our churches, we'll be able to have difficult conversations because Reconciliation first starts with confrontation. Confrontation, that's what Jesus did to us. He confronted us in our sins, but yet he's given us grace. So I ask that we would do it in love and be graceful as well. We're praying for the police officers right now in every city 
And, and Lord, we, we know that there's bad police officers, but there's a lot more good police officers. And we pray that you protect them right now. We pray right now, Lord, that you surround them with your love and with your grace and with your mercy. Lord, we pray even right now for different businesses now who are affected because of the rioting and the looting, that that would just cease and that we would just fall on our knees and see a gracious God. We pray right now that people right now are looking for answers and they would come after you. We're praying for revival when our churches open back up because people are going to want to seek you. So, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing. Your word says that your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And uh, sometimes we don't understand what you're doing, but we know that you are on the job, that you're working in us. And we trust and believe, Lord, that you will work on our hearts in the process. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I just want to say thank you to my dear friend, Ken, neither Pastor Ken, for just really taking the time to, to talk to us about a very difficult conversation that needs to be happened, that just needs to happen. And, uh, and I just, I'm honored. I really am that he took the time to come up here uh, in the middle of everything that's going on, you know, from the, from the pandemic to, you know, to everything that's happening in, in, in our world, in our country, and, and as, as well as being a pastor to his people and planting a church. And uh, we're just thankful that he came today. And um, I appreciate his heart. I really do. And I know that won't be the last time you'll see him. I told him today after he was left, he said, man, Ken, I want you to come back and just preach to our people. I mean, he is anointed, gifted by God. And I know you'll be blessed when we see him again. Um, now, today I want to continue in our series on on contagious joy, contagious joy. You know, last week we talked about the difference between happiness and joy, between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on happenings. Happiness is this luck, this happening, this thing we experience when we're on a roll, when, when all of our ducks are in a row. And, but we learned last week that happiness is it, the knockoff of what God wants for your life. It's the cheap imitation of the real stuff. And the real stuff that he wants for your life and for mine is joy. Because happiness is shallow. But joy is much deeper. Now, happiness, that life with the floaties on. Joy is taking the floaties off and, and, and going deep. And when you look, there are very, very few people experiencing true joy. And, and, and joy is really hard to define. Now, how do you define it? How do you define joy? But joy is life to the excess, to the excess. Life, uh, uh, joy is peacefulness of the soul. And you, you know you're in it. You know you're in it, but you have a hard time explaining when you're in it. That's joy. You're in the flow of joy. We, we were made, you and I, were made for joy. And that's a fact because the Bible says that God is the God of joy. And you and I were created in the image of God. And every believer's life, because of that, it should be a life of joy. True 
contagious joy, not just happiness, but joy. Now, while the Holy Spirit, he wants to produce joy in your lives, we, we need to understand, we need to understand that there are joy robbers, joy robbers, and, and there, there are things that in our world, and, and our spiritual enemy want to rob us, want to rob you, wants to rob me of the joy that God wants in our heart. He wants us to get our floaties back in and live life in the shallows. And so we're going to talk about joy robbers, and hopefully you got your handout notes, and there should be a link. You know, you should have been able to download those uh, notes, and you can see that in the comment section. And, uh, and follow along with us. We're going to kind of go through this pretty quickly. But I want to look at four joy robbers this morning. Number one, the first joy robber is the word selfishness. 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 The Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now, none of us have to be taught to think about ourselves. You know, we're born with this me-first mentality. We're basically, if, you, if we're really honest about ourselves, we're basically selfish people. I know I am. You know, I constantly struggle with selfishness with my family, you know, I, with my coworkers, I, with, with my friends, with other people in my life. We all have a tendency to think about me myself and I, and oftentimes we ask the question, you know, how does it affect me? Or, or what, what's in it for me? Thinking about ourselves is natural. Thinking about others is not natural. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3, Paul said this, he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, and I love this because this really speaks to a lot about what we talk about with Ken already, Pastor Ken. He said, but rather in humility. We've got to be humble. We've got to let go of our selfish pride, our ego. And, and, and look, look at this word, value. We value others. Value others about yourself. Selfishness. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. We're, we're to give of ourselves in relationships. You see, selfishness, uh, it will mess up a marriage. Selfishness will mess up a friendship. Selfish, selfishness will mess up your dynamic at work. Selfishness will just mess up your relationship with people. We're to give in to those relationships. And here's the antidote. The antidote to selfishness is to give, not get. It's to give of ourselves and not get. Not to get. We're, we're to give to those relationships. And the moment your focus turns to getting rather than, than giving, then you're on the wrong track. But when we have a mindset of what can I give to others? Man, you're going to start experiencing a life of joy in this, in this area. 
We see it in Acts chapter 20. They, they were reminding themselves of the words of Jesus. He said, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. He said, it is more blessed, the joy to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to, to receive. The joy when we're given out rather than taken in. Life, it works best when someone else is most important, when it's not me that's most important. Life works best when you take the spotlight off of you and you put it off and you put it on someone else. Life works best. And this, and this might be the thing that will unlock joy in your life. It's when you serve someone else. Servant, being a servant is the greatest act of just giving of yourselves. Being a, being a servant. And that's why spiritual maturity, it's not just about receiving and getting and, and feeding me. And I got to get, get, get from God's word. No, 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 no. It, it's not that, that's important. Yes, we're supposed to get God's word and we're fed. But then, we're to, to give it away. We're to pour out in other people's lives. So that's spiritual maturity. So selfishness, it's a joy robber. It will mess you up. But here's the second joy robber I want you to look at quickly. And that's the word bitterness. Bitterness. Well, what is bitterness? Well, bitterness is a, it's a form of anger. In fact, Bitterness simply means resentment or anger turned inward. You know, there's some type of anger where it's hot anger, you know, where you blow up and you blow out. But this is cold anger. This is where you build it up inside of you. you when you ice somebody out, you know, you, you smile around them, but inside you're, you're cold, you're angry at them. Inward Anger. You might say, man, that guy ripped me off. Or, or that deal went, that deal, it went south. Or, or what that coach did to me. Or what my father, you know, the word that he used. And, and, and we look at our friends. We look at our, at our managers, our bosses. We look at people and we just freeze them out. We ice them out with bitterness. And it poisoned the soul. And it robs you. It robs you of your joy. In Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 15, it says, Look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. And then he said, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness it grows up to trouble you and it corrupt many. Not only does it take the joy out of your life, but it, 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 it causes uh, uh, corruption and, and lose the joy in your community. Nobody wants to be around you. We all deal, by the way, we all deal with bitterness. There's no way that you and I will go through life and, and not experience a little bit of bitterness. So the issue is not how to avoid bitterness. It's how to deal with it when it comes your, comes your way. And I've seen too many relationships torn apart because of this inward resentment, this bitterness. We allow that hurt, that pain to just boil over. 
into bitterness. Instead of reconciling, we turn the situation over and over on the rotisserie grill of our minds until it grows into bitterness. Many of us would rather plot revenge than to spend energy to reconcile a relationship. We rather inflict pain than to forgive a person. And here's the antidote. The antidote is healing, not hurting. Healing and not hurting. God, God wants us to concentrate on healing, on healing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And, and, and sadly, too many, too many of us would concentrate on hurting. We concentrate on the hurt. And, and we, 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 we keep scores. We let the grudges build up until we're ready to explode. But that's not what God does, and that's not what God wants. He wants to heal. And what God did for you and for me, God forgave. He forgives you. He he forgave me, and he wants us to do the same to others. He wants us to forgive. Because he knows that when we forgive, then we can experience a life of joy instead of being bitter. Instead of being bitter. We should be ready to forgive, just like God has forgiven us. And that's the second joy robber, bitterness. Here's the third one. The word fear. Fear. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a joy robber. You know, there's a definition I heard a long time ago. It's false evidence appearing real. That's what fear is, F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. It's when we put too much stock in the unknown of life and we allow those things to paralyze us, to paralyze us. And every one of us, we deal with fear, including me. Fear keeps us from taking risks. Fear keeps us from trying new stuff. It keeps us from investing in life. It stops dreams and it traps. Fear, it, it grinds the excitement of life to a whole harm and so-so kind of life. That's what fear does. And it just robs you of your joy. And God has so much for you to live out. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, God has big dreams, big plans for your life and for my life, and, and fear, which is the opposite of faith. It will tell you to believe in a small God, smaller dreams, to accept the status quo of your life. And just live life on the sidelines. You know, when we allow fear to paralyze you, it will cause you to miss out on the process of joy. Now, the antidote, the antidote for fear is relying on the power of God, not on your problems, not on your strength, not on your problem. The prophet, the prophet Nehemiah, he says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. See, joy, it strengthens us. It enables us to do phenomenal things. But if we're always weirded out, 
weirded out or freak out about fear. Man, fear will, will paralyze you and, and, and slow you down and hold you back from doing what God wants you to do. But when you let fear out of the way and you start pursuing the dreams and the calling that God has in your life, man, there's nothing like it. The thrill, the thrill of following after Jesus, stepping out in faith and experiencing joy in your life. It's the power of joy to look past the problems, to see that God is in control. Now here, here's the fourth one. And that fourth joy robber is what we've been talking about earlier. Racism, racism. And, and I would be remiss if I don't mention the fact that there's just not a lot of joy going on right now in our world. There's a lot of anger, there's a lot of, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of division happening. And, and I know that's not the world that God created to be. You know, God created this world to be perfect. But then sin came into the world and we live in a broken world. See, racism, it, it, it's been around since the beginning of time, since sin been around. And, and, and that's why I'd like to define, and I said this earlier in our conversation with Pastor Ken, that racism, it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. James chapter 2, verse 9, he said, and the Bible said, if you favor some people over others, this is the word of God here, he said, if you favor some people over others, you're, you're committing a sin. It's a sin. We have to call it what it is. It's not right. It's not right before God, and therefore it should not be right before us. Uh, this, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to love an opportunity for us to look at racism in the face and to show love. I, I, I want to look at a couple of anecdotes here. I, I couldn't break it down to one line, so I want to give it some, some thought. We kind of talk about some of these things already. And Pastor Ken, I really appreciated his uh, wisdom um, and what he shared with us. And I hope you really, really take it to heart. We'll give you a couple of those things, and you'll see a lot of those things already been said. But first of all, we need to recognize our prejudice. We need to recognize it. And this is difficult to do because prejudice are so difficult to see in the mirror. Now, what does that mean, the word prejudice? It means to prejudge, to prejudge. You might have been raised to believe that rich people <laughs> were kind of greedy people. And you thought, you, thought, you know what, all rich people are greedy people. You, you pre prejudge. Maybe you grew up thinking that heavy people, they're just really lazy. Or, or maybe you thought the younger generation, the millennials, you know, they're just, they're just, they don't like to work. You're prejudging. Or old people, no, no, they're useless. They can't teach you anything. Prejudice, prejudging. You know, white guys can't jump. You're prejudiced. We all have this prejudiced nature in us. 
And sometimes we just got to look at it in the face and say, God, what are my blind spots? What are my blind spots when I look at others? What are my blind spots when I, when I see an African-American? What are my, what are my prejudices, God? What am I, and, and, and I'm asking God, but, and I'm going I'm to be the first to be honest with you. I'm asking God, God, show me. Show me my heart. Because I, want, I, I truly want to love my brothers and sisters. I truly want to love those who don't know Christ. I want to, I want to love my neighbor. Show me my prejudice. Show me my blind spot in my life. The second, the second antidote is to seek to understand those who might be different from us. This, this is a little bit what we talk about already. You know, ask questions, empathize. If they're hurt, you hurt. You know, rejoice. If they rejoice, you rejoice. I mean, we should celebrate and we should mourn together. And I believe that our church, you know, we do this. You know, when someone's hurting, you, 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 you go to them, you're praying for them. And I'm asking you to take it further. And, and, and you see our African-American uh, 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 fellow countrymen that are hurting. Listen to them. Listen to their world. We may not understand it all, but seek to understand. Um, in our conversation earlier with Pastor Ken, and this was after the recording, after the conversation, we just asked the question, and, and the microphone was still on, the camera was still on, and, and we just felt like in that moment, we got to share his response, but we just simply asked Pastor Ken. I said, Pastor Ken, how are you doing? How are you doing? I want you to hear his response. I mean, how, how are you doing? Yeah. You know what, man? I appreciate the question. I was, yesterday, another white pastor asked me that question, and that was the first time I got emotional. You know what I mean? Because even in this, and I know you guys are feeling it too, even in this pandemic, you're giving so much, right? And so I was, I was off of social media even when this transpired with uh, George Floyd, I was like, I'm, I just want to be off. I felt like, you know, and then I had a fellow pastor friend of mine, you know, call me on the phone and said, man, how do I deal with this? How do I answer this question? So don't get me wrong. I love being here. Yeah. But it's like now it's like I've been on so many Zoom calls, podcasts, and it's like literally had a white pastor friend of mine call me yesterday and asked the question that you asked and said, how are you doing? And I said, wow. You know, even when you ask that question now, it's like I'm getting emotional because it's like, I don't even know. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't grieved yet because, and I know there's anger inside of me. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my wife was talking to me the other day and it's like I snapped at her, you know, and I'm like, it just, I was just snappy. And she was like, because you haven't grieved yet. Hmm. You haven't been self-aware that you've been giving, giving, giving talking about solutions and stuff like that, but you haven't necessarily dealt with it. Man, that's powerful. You know, he's speaking from his heart of pain that's different than the way I see it. 
But I want to empathize. And I want to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to be with there with Him. Here's the third thing that we can do. Is love those who are different from us. Love. We're to understand and, and then we are to love, love, love. That's what God has called us to do. What is racism? Well, racism isn't just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love. It's not just the presence of hatred. You know, I hate you. It's also the absence of showing love. You know, I accept you. You know, I embrace you. You're my brother. You're my sister. I, I love you. It's not just the presence of hatred. It's the absence of love, the absence of touch, the absence of embrace, the absence of saying, no, you're welcome. We're one together and we're showing love. How is the world going to know that we're followers of Jesus? How is the world going to know that we're disciples? Well, let me tell you what the Bible doesn't say. It, it, it doesn't say that, we are, that the world will know us that we're followers of Jesus because of our perfect theology. It doesn't say that. It, it doesn't say that they know we're followers of, of, of Christ by our church attendance. The Bible doesn't say that. Here's what the Bible says in John 13, verse 35. It said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you're a follower of Christ, if you love one another, if you love one another. You, you love them as you've been loved. And how did Jesus love me? How did Jesus love you? Well, while we were sinners, while we were sinning, Christ, Jesus died for me. And he died for you. He didn't die for us because we were good. He died for us because God is good. And he loved me when I didn't deserve it because I've been freely loved in that way. So what I do? I reflect the type of love to others. Uh, and that's what I hope you understand today. That's, been, that's, my, that's my message today, you know, with this whole topic. That you love. That you love. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, where you come from, what your background is. We want them to know that they're welcome in the family of God. There was a place for them. You know, there, there was one race and that is the human race. And I pray that we see that. And when we get to heaven, we're all going to be representative, every one of us. I want you to check out the vision that the Apostle John shared in Revelations. That's what he said. It's so powerful. He said, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Salvation, it belongs to our God, not my God. Our God. Our God. We're holding hands. 
with people from different tribes, different nations, different languages, proclaiming the salvation of our God. If we can spend eternity in heaven together, if we can do that in heaven, if we see that, then certainly we can have a meal together here on earth. And that's how we love one another, reaching out, showing that we care. Heaven will be full, and we might as well show the love of God on earth all day long. Racism, it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. It's unacceptable to God. It's unacceptable to us. And because God has loved us, therefore we will love one another. And joy comes when we show the love of Jesus to others. John 15, I close with this. Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. I want you to have joy and that your joy will be complete. And how? How can we have joy? Love each other as I love you. And then he took it a step further and he said, this is the kind of love I want you to have. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one friend. It's racism. It's a joy robber. Want to rob us of our joy. You know, as we close here, there was a Heavenly Father who loved us so much, even when we didn't deserve it. He sent His Son, Jesus, regardless. He came to our mess. I mean, we were so far out there. He came to us and loved us, died on the cross for you, so that we could have a relationship with our God. And so, man, I want you to live life in the deep end. Don't let the stuff trip you up. Don't let selfishness, bitterness, fear, racism, be joy robbers. We've got to face it, and we've got to be the people that God wants you and wants me to be. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we help us to live a life of joy, the life that you want us to live in the deep. God, help us to root out selfishness and ego. God, help us to get rid of bitterness that's destroying our soul. God, help us to get rid of, get rid of uh, racism. God, help us to get rid of fear in our lives. God, help us to pursue what you have for us so that we can be the person you want us to be, living in the deep with joy in our hearts. In your name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.